On a previous episode, I talked about being homeless for nine years. And one of the things I observed in that period of time moving from one house to the other is that every house shaped my behavior considerably. And of course, logically, the extension is what happens when you go to work every day and how do the spaces at work shape our behavior? So today I'm with the co-founders of, of Places People Love, Ricardo Peralta and Vladik Roskin. And we're going to talk about what they're doing with their business and also what they're doing to help energy flow better in workplaces and workspaces. So let's start off by how did you two get into this field? We can start by telling a little bit about, about our story and how we met. Uh, it hasn't been that long time ago. Actually, since May, um, me and Ricardo, we ran into each other on a, on a, on a party in Vancouver, Vancouver Design Week. Uh, we were both architects. And you know, it's just those, one of those moments where you just start talking uh, out of nowhere and everything seems to align and you start dreaming and you start like uh, connecting, you know, all the dots in your head like, wow, maybe this is the moment to just start doing actually something we really uh, uh, believe in what, what we want to change. because. Uh, as an architect, uh, after working for about like, eight years, I really had this kind of void. I could describe it in different ways. One way is like there's so much energy we spent on constructing our, our places where we spend so much time in our daily lives. There is uh, so little uh, positive result, I would, I, would, I would say, in the people that use it. So for me, it was always like, how can we really try to redesign the process of how we treat our spaces? and where we put the human really at the center of the design process. For, for my part, I've always been very fascinated by people. I've always like uh, read a lot about like how uh, business leaders become successful, how artists are, are doing great work, uh, just really like getting deep in like who they are, why they became the way they became, you know, and uh, yeah, really like why do we do the, the things we actually do? So uh, for me, people was always like a, like a red thread through my life. And I always thought architecture really lacks that really deep uh, connection to the actual users. <laughs> for me, I was on a lot of architects producing incredibly beautiful work, but you know, it's beautiful in the magazines, but I liked the, 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 the voice of the user, you know, the voice of the customer, you could say, like they were using the building. So, and then when meeting Ricardo, he was uh, really kind of, specialized in the energies of our environment and of the people and how that influence each other and affects each other. Uh, so that kind of more external influences on people. While I was really concerned about the internal, our internal like, uh, stories, how they influence who we become, right? And I thought putting that together would be just a, a good start in, in call it like a, a kind of organism that we want to grow with place people love where we where we uh, take uh, really we start by looking at what are the, who are the users why are they going to be there uh, you know where do where do they want to go and, and you know how well do they know themselves and all that all important questions to ask before you actually start thinking about what kind of space will be best for them to occupy so and Ricardo what's what's your how did you here end up here one of the beautiful things is that it's been a, a, a very fun journey based on alignment of values on the care we have for people on how how we we decided to come to Vancouver it's because, that it's because we, we we care also so much about being close to nature and uh, and all those what I call ingredients or resonances 
made, made us meet and then think about like how can we bring all this together to create those places those places that really become an extension of who we are those places like one one day we were joking and and we said like yeah let's let's do like spaces that hug you kind of like that mm-hmm. those spaces that are warm those spaces that you feel good at those spaces to celebrate your life and how could that be extended into 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 organizations into like uh, all kind of built environments that we are surrounded with so it's been a fun journey a very very human friendly journey and 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 it's part of the spirit of places people love well it's also part of the spirit of great workplaces as well (laughs) because i know you know we were talking earlier before we started the program that that there are some companies that implemented the the open office idea and of course the first thing people do is get in their cubicle and set up it so to make it personal and it's actually cut down on collaboration instead of open it up. So when you're designing spaces, what are the things you consider to keep the flow intact so that people naturally want to go? Because I know we've had this certainly in Vancouver, but also in other parts of the world where they've got co-working spaces. The idea was to do a co-working space so there'd be collaboration. I mean, WeWork has got a specific design they have. What's different from what you do and WeWork, for example? Well. We can talk a little bit how how we we start each project uh, and and going back again to the really like human aspect of, uh, of uh, before we actually design anything that's visible, there is a big chunk of uh, research and and really just connecting to the people that are that are um, running the actual organization, uh, which is which is very very essential. So we we see uh, space as really like a platform for human connection. So it's it's not a piece of real estate, you know. It's it's really like this is the boundaries, the walls are the boundaries with certain specifics. There's so much light coming in, there's this kind of air quality, uh, and that these boundaries, these are for us the kind of uh, circumstance defined where we can create a platform for people just to connect, feel safe, to feel a sense of belonging, to feel that they can just uh, be themselves and they can really like. Uh, Share knowledge, share skill. You know, be autonomous. Uh, really produce not only their best work, but just be comfortable as people. You know, because um, data shows like that we spend actually about ninety percent of the time inside in our lifetimes, right? So if you consider that, uh, that's a lot. And, and, and then you look at the state of our office spaces today, and, and you think like we, we spend like well, usually nine to five in these spaces. And how important it is, uh, what the quality of, of that of space uh, for us. So what we usually do is we, we we get together with the leadership team as, as first, and we do a discovery process. We 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 learn who they are, uh, what their values are, why did they start a company, and and where are they trying to go with it. It's really like a uh, like the seed of what we're gonna do is gonna depend on 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 those people, because also the people that work for them will kind of. You know, we join an organization not only because you do you do a certain kind of work, but also because you kind of look up to you know the business, the organization itself. We really try to dig deeper into the the vision and the values of the leadership. That's that's the first thing. Uh, another thing is is also creating this kind of uh, awareness. You know, um, as architects and and also just like people. You know, we we we, we do a lot of research around um, not only the technical. Uh, element, but also the the people side. Right? You know, how, how do we make people feel comfortable in a space? You know, what are the elements that influence us? It's all about like if you look at a 
person and how it interacts with its, their their surroundings. So there's like the, the the physical surrounding, of course, but there's also the people, which is also part of the interaction. And then nowadays, there's a lot of technology, right? So we're becoming more and more mobile. We work remote. So technology is is definitely a, a, a element that, that affects us you know if you just think about the, the the computer and all the waves that surround us of the wi-fi and bluetooth i mean all influences us you can't leave it <laughs> and what we do is we create this kind of awareness through workshops uh, where we say look this is what we know this is what we see now in, in this current space and this is what we can do then we start thinking about how actually design can influence uh, the people collective actually, so the leadership and the people that work in that organization to be more creative, to be more productive. Um, and also like, you know, if you think about what are the greatest challenges organizations today is also to attract the right talent and also to keep them. So that's another thing that we kind of uh, trying to um, envision for them how they can actually throughout our changing times, I would say, because there's so much things technological-wise changing, business-wise, Everywhere there's, you know, financial uh, pressure, social pressure, cultural pressure. How can we actually provide a framework for, for those organizations to deal with that change? Uh, and, and again, like space is, 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 the physical space is always one facet, but it's not the only one. It's also a lot about like how we create a, a good culture within that organization. So people really love to work there. You know, that's why it's places people love. It's not... It's really about like giving meaning to a place. Uh, so hmm. space plus meaning is a place. That's how I kind of <laughs> uh, giving meaning to a, a, a place that uh, people will want to wake up and they will know I go there for the people that I love, the work that I love to do, and you know I, I respect the leaders that are running this organization. That is what we're trying to envision. Then coming back a little bit about about the, the landscape offices because uh, I think this is so. I think what we've seen in the last 10 years, right, what, there was this hype of uh, creating these open spaces everywhere. Um, I think what we always uh, lacked is this kind of uh, understanding that, you know, we're all individuals with our own like dreams and desires and, and our own mindsets. And not everybody likes uh, to be all open in a space. And uh, just uh, you know, watching each other and always in, in kind of constantly just disturbing each other in a way. So we're really realizing now that it's also important to provide more kind of privacy uh, corners or, or nooks in a space so people can choose whether they're they're going to be very open and working collaboratively, collaboratively, or in a more enclosed environment where they can focus really on their project. You know, so that's what I. And then coming back, coming back to people and, and leadership, it's uh, really are people in your your region happy? How are their lives? Like how how are they living their days? Like it's it's are they fulfilled? Are they healthy? How does that align with your organization? How does that align with the values of your leadership? How and where do you want to go as a leader? And and and. Then from that, then a whole range of perspectives we, and solutions we can come up with. It's always also an interdisciplinary approach that it's very important. We, we, we approach this in an interdisciplinary view. We have so many different people being part of the community, including designers, including architects, and including that. But it's never just one view. 
it's a, it's a collaborative and and it also it's a collaborative work with the leadership that is very important it comes it's like a back and forth and we together create the final result so i know that there's going to be some element of challenge posed by where an office is located like in in a building for example where the air ventilation sucks Mm-hmm. And and all of these kinds of constraints are there. Not enough windows for the outside. No, comp- not being able to see nature. Not being able to even see the weather. Mm-hmm. How do you work with those kinds of constraints? Yeah. <clears throat> well, obviously, like every human needs some essential uh, things in in their in the room that they occupy. Like like if you look at the basic pyramid of Maslow, right? Like very important things are are really like feeling warm and feeling like you have enough light. And of course, the air is very, very important, especially in the case of Vancouver, because you know we're working in mm-hmm. a lot of old buildings. Uh, so obviously, these are really the basic elements that we, in the technical side, we always recommend as first. Because if you don't have that kind of basic uh, uh, comfort, then nothing else. Culture, forget culture, forget technology. You know, you're, you're lost. <laughs> you, you really can't it's, compensate it's, uh, for that. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 so light, air quality. Uh, if we are like plants, you know, we, we need light. We need good air. We need the room to move, and we need uh, you know to feel safe. They're all the basic things that really need to be solved as soon as possible. Yeah. And then after that, of course, look at um, the other facets of culture and technology and social direction between the people. I know that when I, certainly in the work I've been doing, it's really hard to get decision makers to grasp the the things that don't appear super obvious. In other words, it's more of an indirect Mm -hmm. impact on people, productivity, health, and happiness. And and most of the focus is on what's the bottom line? How are we doing on our profit? And Mm -hmm. forgetting completely that there's a a wider environment, that an ecosystem that actually produces that Mm -hmm. productivity. How do you have those conversations with, with the management group of people that are really fixed on just cost savings, which this certainly in Vancouver is a very cost savings orientation, mm-hmm. may not be that way and elsewhere in the world. I do quite a bit of work over in Europe, and I don't know what it's like in other parts, but, but how do you have those conversations so the minds get opened up a bit and they, there's appreciation for the intangible? Yeah, yeah, well... Definitely, I think that is, when we also were starting a company, we knew this was going to be our biggest challenge because, uh, um, it, like you say, it's an intangible uh, quality. And uh, I guess one of the strategies we're, we're uh, using is, you know, so we, we promise to organizations that we're going to increase the, the productivity and creativity of their people and that we're going to uh, make sure that their workspace actually attracts talent and keeps it. But to be able to promise that, we also want to show that internally in our company, we are actually doing that already ourselves, you know. So for us, it's really as important uh, as, as, as our clients, as is our community that we are actually creating within our own company. So the people that we are attracting are in, in a way also our clients, you know, we are trying to provide for them the uh, great space for growth and uh, to, to just have a safe space to, to exchange ideas and to give them enough autonomy to produce their best work, so no micromanagement, and, and really to create this innovative innovative way of uh, running a, a design business. And so when we're talking to clients, we can also always refer to our own like case study in a way, you know, within our own company. That is one strategy we use. 
And, and then another one, it's defining it, it also with the leadership. Like there, it's, it's a conversation and it's like a, it's the willingness to grow that has to come from the organization. If there is not that willingness to grow, then it's, it's very hard to, to come to new strategies or to new solutions. So in those conversations, in that openness, in that willingness to do things differently, then it's, we don't have to, to think about uh, either or then it's what do you want, how can it be done differently, what is different possibility, and it's an, an addition. It's an, an, we always speak about building bridges, mm -hmm. like building bridges and working collaboratively and then, and then doing things together. And then if it was possible before with the new technology, with new evaluation, with new research, how can it be done differently? It's like expanding. It's not like using something differently. We see it more as an expanding together. With, with, with new tools, with new people, with new views, with new possibilities that can take the organization to a whole new level, and people with that, and that is beautiful. Yeah, and that's definitely, the in my world, it's definitely a great way of framing it, because that is what it is. It's just a widening of the peripheral mm -hmm. vision to be able to see, take more into the space and be able to see what's going on, mm -hmm. so as opposed to making a switch from option A to option mm -hmm. B. So, no, that's great. Yeah, and I think also... One of the biggest part of the work we want to do is, is, is creating the awareness, first of all, you know, because especially for business leaders, they're, they're great in, in, in you know, uh, running their, running their yeah. ship, you yeah. know, they have a ship and they know which direction it goes, but they don't know how best to take care of other things, you know, they just don't have time for that or they don't have the resource for that. And we want to be that kind of really partner to support them in just offering them, first of all, uh, what is possible, what is out there. You know, that's why we, have, we are working in cross-disciplinary cross -disciplinary teams. Everybody has its own perspective uh, from their own field on, 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 uh, on issues. So we're trying to combine it to, to, to create that greater awareness where from they can, you know, realize, oh, look, this is something I've never thought about. That's probably to change that so I become more resilient towards it future uh, uncertainty and future change. Well, and definitely what we know from the sciences is that the more of a divergence, the more diversity you've got in the room, the better your outcome is yeah. going to be, particularly in the context of complex systems, which organizations are. Yeah. So yeah, I love the consistency with your approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, if I, if I think about this for a moment, uh, you've got two, two approaches. One would be, let's look at the metrics and use the metrics to demonstrate it. Uh, because I'm thinking yeah. now of my colleague in the Netherlands, Eric mm -hmm. Listman, who who did a lot of spatial design, but people that had no idea what he was doing. So, but they knew that the metrics would change. So, mm -hmm. you know, he'd go in there and, and move things around, and and everything, everybody would be happier, be more productive. Is mm -hmm. what did you do? And, and they wouldn't have a, be able to grasp it, but the metric showed you something. And the other version of it is is that, or it's not either or, it's both. But the other version is that that you see the connection and that you realize it without having to have numbers to show you the difference. Uh, Fair to say? or Well, I'm, I'm not sure if I understand it right. So you, uh, if, if you mean that we use as much data, as much as much as we are data company, research, and also like the kind of more intangible, really the human aspect that we really, uh, yeah, we're trying to, uh, to work with. That's definitely true, yeah. So from the beginning, we, we wanted to, so we have these four principles that we've written out, and one of them is, uh, we want a, a, a marriage between art and science. So for us, it's really important the data and the facts and the, 
the previous research, because there's such an immense amount of research already done around, let's say, co-working or working places, so which, which, we, which we apply, which we use, and we, we create feedback out of that, and we apply that. A very big aspect of it is, of course, the human side, which is nothing to do with numbers or data. It's really like just being completely ourselves in our most pure human form. How can we have a great conversation? You know, from, from that, everything starts, you know. There's not, nothing data around that. It's just like uh, opening up to each other and, uh, and starting to talk about what is possible, you know, what are the problems and how can we create just a, a better organization or workplace, you know. I think it involves a lot of uh, going inwards, we call it. It's really like a, a process of going inside the organization and the leadership and, and asking those questions as, like, what is success for you? Like, how do you define success for your company? What is in your vision a successful group of, of people, of a successful group of team? And, and from those deep questions, then, then, then we evaluate, we define K KPIs, and then we go for for like to achieve them like together with the organization but every organization it's different and then we see how the, the space around it's influencing that that human aspect then then we can go into details like like how is your biological system being influenced how is uh, how is the attention there how is like so many things like uh, like the surrounding environment uh, affecting you are you like in Vancouver I'm surprised like we have such an amazing scenery mm. And and sometimes we, we it's like we're missing on it like it, like we're we're living in these boxes dark oh my god no yeah like that it's and and we live in one of the most beautiful places on earth mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and it's yeah. like you you come into a, a different world or sometimes dungeons to work for eight hours a day so yeah so it's just like really it's important to bring also that awareness it's part of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting in your offices. We're at a long table here, and we could just as easily move this into a more of a corporate setting, and it would look like a boardroom table, except it's not. It's, it's more funky. It's definitely more friendly. It's wood, mm -hmm. so it's warm. And beside it is a kitchen. Let's first talk about how that changes. If you're sitting around a table like this with a social environment that you can just pick up, go grab some food, and sit around and chat, what does that change the experience for people in the company between that and going to a boardroom where it's formal and everybody's got to sit around and stare at a mm -hmm. whiteboard? Yeah. Well, we, t we, t we try to, to challenge some of the conceptions of traditional typologies. Like sometimes we, we try to, exp to experiment with textures, with the layout, with, with how, uh, uh, what are you feeling in the space? Sometimes we tend to miss that not not only what you're doing in the space how you're being in the space what are you feeling in the space and what leads you that like all that it's around you so what every texture every light like everything that you have around you it's impacting you all the time all the time whether you are conscious or not that affects you so if you have a kitchen and you have the awareness that there is coffee there like the, the the experience of the space will be different like the lighting will be different then it's not only a place where you have to perform as machines, it's a place where you where you flow from one experience to another experience to another experience, which is what makes us human. And then you work, and then the ideas flow, and then you have interaction, and then you have collisions, and then you, you meet other people, and then you look at other people's eyes. And things arise from another, another level from those interactions. So it's 
It's a meeting, and, and it, it's, it's a meeting space, and it's also an encounter, it's a, a space for encounters, mm -hmm. and it's a, a, a space for chatting. And it's also, then again, it's not either or. We also like to give choices because we have this, all these flows all the time in our energy. So, and, and we need, and we are all different people. Like we all have different personalities. You cannot have the same space for everybody. For some hours you may need like a, a very enclosed space and for other hours you may need to be more in connection. And for others, like now we have this more coffee shop feeling vibe and laid out, laid, laid back vibe. But it's also necessary, so it's not all the time like this very um, hard corporate setting. Like, even every texture tells you a story. If it's wood, it's different. If the light is different, if you see a plant next to you, it, it, it's different because we are biological beings. So, so just, just, just knowing that, that all, all of what it's run becomes an extension of you, it's, it's, it's very important. You know, I can remember when I was doing some research myself into workspaces at least 10 years ago, a lot longer actually, but there was something about the fluorescent light bulbs and the, radi the, the radiation coming off, electromagnetic radiation, the EMF coming off of those light bulbs was blocking off the brainwave states. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, companies are busy asking for innovation, but in order to innovate, you've got to be able to both be relaxed and be creative, and that's your alpha state. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you're putting in lighting that's going to suppress exactly what you need in your people mm -hmm. and then blame your people for not being able to perform at that level. It's just uh, it's crazy. Did you want to yeah. add something to what, to what Ricardo said? Uh, no, I think you said it pretty well. I was just thinking like to how we came to design this space, like really to, to, to have a lot long conversations with, with the owner. Uh, to discover what what is what is her ambition with it. What is, and, and in this scenario, we had uh, two co-working spaces with the new one, which is downstairs, and this old one was kind of considered as old, so people didn't come here. So the question to us was, how do we recultivate the experience so the the kind of two places get reconnected? Uh, and for this particular space, we added an extra layer uh, in the sense of. The, the, the co-working space that is downstairs is all about productivity. It's quite organized, you know, it's quite, quite like uh, uh, aligned. It really feels like somewhere where you want to go, you want to sit and you want to produce with your team or alone. With this space, we wanted to create a more creative vibe, I would say, where there's more this kind of chaotic feel, I would say, like more uh, textures, more colors, uh, more variety and warm materials. Um, intimacy, too. yeah, intimacy too. It's co coziness because uh, this is also it's less spacious than the other one. So it's, it, people, I think, love coming here more for this kind of in, in, introspective mood. You know, just where they want to read a book or maybe have a chat, close chat with somebody. So that's what we're trying to create here. And uh, the materials that we used here were especially um, thought of in the sense of uh, this, this feminine energy that we wanted to bring to the space because that was another. Uh, demand or, or request, request right. from uh, from the owner yeah cool uh, so, ma'am yeah. now let's roll back because when we were just having a moment break there we were talking about the experience some reason some story that i heard about a horse horses being across the street from this company and the people at lunchtime would go across the street visit the horses and so forth and then the company moved, and its its criteria were not must be close to horses. Their criteria was just need the space, and and then they noticed their productivity had gone down because people weren't going over, and and it was directly tied. They managed to establish that. I, 
how does that, I mean, when we look at this, small and medium-sized companies, for the most part, are just looking at it from a pragmatic point of view. Look, I've got the space, it's 5,000 square feet, it's got a rent I can afford, and they just buy it without actually taking into account any of the things we've been talking about so far. Mm-hmm. So what, how can you kind of bring in that, that design mind into the decision-making, or, or what thoughts could you offer to decision-makers who are choosing spaces? that would help them uh, be smarter about that and look at it through that lens? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is that there are so many layers that can be taken into account when selecting uh, a space. And, and then, yeah, like, like people usually would look at the price and maybe location. But from the location, there are so many things, like the, the views that you have, the ventilation, the textures, the lighting that it's already available. Like every single detail will affect in the end, even if it's subtle. Like it has an impact. Like you cannot avoid that because you, you are there. Like you, you will be exposed to that all the time. So it's about really analyzing all of the surroundings. Like we do it on different layers. We we analyze the environmental physics. We call it. So it's all about the surroundings. It's all about that. What it's impacting your your being on different levels. Your biological system. Your energy system. Your 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 attention levels. And then we we also implement social dynamics which is a whole other layer about how, how us humans will tend to behave. And, and we overlap also technology. So, so with all this framework that we have created, we, we approach the, 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 the decision-making and the selection of the space, which becomes something, and this is very important, strategical for the company, like for the future of the company, because it will be such a big investment that, that you know, sometimes you cannot change from one place to another like every year. Like you'll be there, especially if it's your headquarters. It becomes an investment. It can it can increase the the, the, the whole productivity and experience and outcomes of your company. So it becomes strategic. Going back to those horses, that that, that it's very very so interesting. I mean, uh, but again, that's I think why data is so important. So now nowadays we can show that, for example, the realization that we are, we are really just innately human and like simple things. I would say like. Horses can just imp- just change how we feel in a day, you know. Just this kind of contact with nature, you know. It's it's uh, it's not only about coming to an office and producing whatever you have to produce. It's like also these moments where you just go and you have a nice view somewhere, or you you can you can go and maybe touch a horse and and then see animals that really influence that can change our mood for the whole day. Uh, and it's like Ricardo said, these little subtleties that are just important to just people make aware of them. So that we can create various possibilities where we can pick from to to make a space more more interesting, more exciting. It's, it's funny because Biomimicry Institute has a website called asknature.org, mm-hmm. and you go there to plug in you know ideas that nature can offer through mm-hmm. these very sophisticated technologies. They're way more sophisticated than our own, and and uh, and from that you get inspiration into what you want to do. So it strikes me that it would be kind of really cool to find a company that's progressive enough to mm-hmm. think about an innovation garden, you know, a biomimicry garden, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where you would just go and sit and, and, and study the systems, because uh, that's the other part that's, mm-hmm. you know, often forgotten. But study the systems and just look at where is the efficiencies here mm-hmm. that we're, we're overlooking in our own, in our own space. Mm-hmm. You know, how does a leaf produce energy without beet, mm-hmm. heat, and tree? Yeah, and then the, the, I've read this recently this interesting study. Now that we're talking about data, it's it's, it's a very simple study. It's been done in a hospital, 
where they uh, looked at patients that had a window mm. that were healing yes and patients that didn't have a window and how they were healing and it clearly like stated that patients that had a window with a view they just healed way quicker than ones without mm. it's just this this again this uh, connection to something so subtle as just a view and seeing movement or, or trees it can change how you how your body reacts uh, to your state of being. And it, I love the environmental physics mm-hmm. idea because it definitely changes how decisions get made as a consequence. I mean, there's a direct line to that. So I want to thank you both very much. Let's talk a bit about where people can go for more information on your pro- on your company and what you're doing. Yeah, well, at the moment, the best place to go is uh, our website, uh, which is placespeoplelaw.ca. Eventually, we are expanding also our social media channel, channels, which are so, an Instagram account. We welcome everybody to check it out and... Uh, if, if anybody's interested, uh, there's a join the movement button. We'd be happy to get to know you. Yeah, get a get a get the movement going for better spaces. Yeah. I know that in 2013, I I interviewed uh, Mark. Actually, 2009, I interviewed Mark Romero Music, and Mark's a former CEO of a semiconductor firm, and he started producing music that pre- creates health in the body, like it's quantum coherent. So it's, you know, you, you listen to it and you feel better immediately. And so he's been 10 years doing that on a personal, you know, health basis. But now it's time to move it into corporations. And I can see mm-hmm. a real synergy between what he's been doing for years and, and what you're doing here we'll at the, love on to. the edge. We, we love mm-hmm. those collaborations. That it, it's all about, like, we are creating. Like, just, just putting, we're all creators and, and just putting everybody together to, to, to do these amazing mm-hmm. collaborations. It's, it's great. Yeah. Anything else to either one of you want to add? Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to the Insight Inspirational Insights podcast with Donna Jones as your host. In terms of the conversation we've had today, the work that has been uh, recently done is a chapter in From Hierarchy to High Performance, where we're talking about health and workplace health. And I also did a chapter in The Intelligence of the Cosmos, which is about the deep dynamics in organizations that these con- this conversation very much informs because we're really working with the invisible things that people can't see but do have a big impact on workplace relationships, on human behavior, on performance, on peace and well-being as well. So thanks very much for listening in. There'll be more programs coming. I'm just taking a little bit of a break from the two-week schedule. So I'd appreciate it if you just check back in periodically. Donna Jones from InsightToAction.com and also on Facebook at from Insight to Action and on Twitter at E-P-D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones. Do contact me for speaking and workshops and decision making and particularly the transformational mindset that requires that's required to handle high speed complex change.